Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Good evening and welcome to Fun Man About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Is my mic on? Yeah. My mic isn't on. Rachel's mic isn't on. (laughs) I'm Chris Coosby. I'm Mary Isaac. (laughs) And I'm Rachel Jacobs. (laughs) And we're your co-hosts on a weekly journey through fermentation uh, here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And uh, we're really excited. Archived here, Stitcher, (laughs) iTunes, and anywhere you hear podcasts. Episode 225, we're really excited to be here. It's the first episode of 2018. Um, Going forward, we're going to have a couple changes. We've been very, very busy uh, with the brewery and things like that. So we're going to actually slow down for this season so we can put some attention to Fifth Hammer uh, and uh, make sure that that we we continue with the righteous, fun, and... uh, Organization that I think we've kind of been rolling with. <laughs> For the brewery? For the brewery. I was looking, you guys are toying with which ones are on and which ones are off. <laughs> Welcome back to the microphones, Wait, Rachel. Sorry, we might have some testing bit issues. <laughs> oh, and here's Vitor to save, to save the day. There it is, connection. Hey. Hey, all right. Uh, anyway, we have been struggling since opening the brewery and tasting room on September 20th. We've been struggling before that, I guess, but... um, Time management. Yeah, some of you know out there that I have a full-time day job that's unrelated to anything, uh, any of this. And then Chris is, of course, full-time at the brewery, And uh, but I also am helping out at the brewery. There's a lot to do when you're a small team and you're... Yeah, but we also want a little bit more bandwidth um, in life to be able to do the home ferments that we preach on here. Like, we haven't had much time to be able to do We need date nights. Oh, just, that you too. know what I'm saying? Might expand the flame family. Yeah, yeah. date nights are very nice. <laughs> We're going to adopt Rachel. We're excited about that. <laughs> That's okay, right? <laughs> is, it, is it legally allowed? I don't know. Can you have four old? parents? I don't know. Is it legally allowed? Uh, who, who cares? Who cares? You know what is legally Doesn't allowed? Doesn't matter. You can, you can enter uh, the our New York City's largest homebrew competition, Homebrew Alley, uh, by going to homebrewalley.com. Uh, we're accepting re- uh, registrations right now, and we're going to be judging it on uh, February 10th, I believe. February 9th, 9th and 10th. Um, we'll be accepting entries straight up until February 3rd, homebrewalley.com uh, to enter your entries. You can drop them off at Fifth Hammer. It's going to all happen on, at Fifth Hammer. There's going to be a public award ceremony. We're going to have fun for the day. So even if you uh, aren't a home brewer and you want to support your, your fellow home brewers, uh, come to Fifth Hammer on the evening of February 10th uh, for the award ceremony that night. It's going to be very fun. It's put on by the New York City Home Brewers Guild. It's, it's, it's in its uh, be 11th or 12th year now. Uh, and if you are an HA or Beecher certification uh Sanctioned judge, uh, we need your help. And if you would like to help steward, we need your help with that too. So, homebrewalley.com. Two other announcements. We have a couple people that have been on the show or that 
we know pretty well. Uh, they have books either out or coming out. So the first is Jeff Cialetti, who we had on a while ago. He is a great writer. He knows a ton. Like two years ago? I know. Time point. flies, man. Anyway, his newest book came out at the end of November. It's called The Drinkable Globe, The Indispensable Guide to the Wide World of Booze. And uh, basically covers like the planet and, and all of the booze that goes, you know, <laughs> I mean, everything, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. His last drinking adventurously. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's a continuation in that journey. Yeah, so it's a really cool book. And then also our good friend Joshua Bernstein is coming out. His book is coming out in spring 2018, and I think we're both maybe in it to some degree. I haven't seen a copy of it, but it's, it's called true. Homebrew World. Its uh, subtitle is Discover the Secrets of the World's Leading Homebrewers. So uh, hopefully we'll have actually uh, Josh on sometime later to talk about when, once the book comes out. But um, that's not out yet, but it's coming. So just a couple things to keep in mind. I will just say something I am made. One of my I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I, I like to make goals or projects. And one thing I listen to... So I listen... I mostly consume... Uh, books via audiobook because I walk around a lot or if I'm knitting or cooking uh, you can listen to a book it's really hard to read and saute stuff or, or read and knit um, so let's just get that out of the way I'm an audiobook person completely at this almost exclusively at this point um, so one of my New Year's goals is to listen to more nonfiction books I consume a lot of fiction books but not that many nonfiction books so my first of the year is called I Contain Multitudes and I'm about halfway through. And what's it, what's it about? What's going on? It's about the microbiome. It is. It's by Ed Yong, and it's absolute. Listen, if you are interested, if you're listening to this show, then you're interested in fermentation, and you know, and I think everybody who listens to the show would be definitely uh, get a lot from this book. So it's basically it's called the microbes within us and a grander view of life, and it goes into microbiomes from humans all the way to octopus it's it's an app so far it's an absolutely fascinating book i think it's really well done particularly it's not it is a science book obviously but um but it's pretty general i think anybody could could read or listen to this book and get a lot out of it it's not super technical it's very things are very well explained and it's also really well balanced so it does talk a little bit about probiotics and some of the studies that have been done whether they be in mice but it goes through you know hey what are the pros and cons like what do we know what do we don't know what has been proven what hasn't been proven and there's really more unknown about our my all of our the microbiomes of the world than there is known but i absolutely absolutely recommend it so far it's called i contain multitudes the microbes within us and a grander view of life by ed yong and if you're interested in all of those things we're throwing the second annual fermentation festival on february 24th super excited about that it's gonna be in conjunction with the new york city brewers guild um, which is in charge of running uh, new york city beer week which starts that day february 24th actually starts the day before february 23rd uh, to march 3rd uh, all sorts of events throughout the week including the fermentation festival during the day on the 24th and our giant uh opening bash invitational in the evening both at the brooklyn expo center uh speaking to science where we've added a couple of things for the fermentation festival including a science corner um the home musicians of course will be playing there'll be a mini mead festival there'll be a homebrew festival there'll be uh kids area kids area yep uh and uh, a lot of samples a lot of stuff to buy so this is a good time yep. we're having you a know, bookstore yeah, there's maybe certain fermented products that you haven't tried. This is a great place to try it, and then you'll have the option of taking some home with you as well. So we'll have a lot of vendors, which will be fun. Darn straight. Yeah, that was fun. Ah. Ah, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, it's, 
the wire. Uh, yeah, and I'll actually be there this year, so Yay! that should be fun. <laughs> I'm excited to to go. So everybody, save the date. Um, the Expo Center is a really great um, look. It's a great area. It's real big. It's got lots of space. So everybody, come on down. Um, there's plenty of room for everybody. Okay, what are we doing today? Oh, uh, <laughs> so uh, as um, Mary and Chris have day jobs. Um, I do as well, but my day job is podcasting. Um, so I went out to PodCon in Seattle back in December, which was a really fun podcast festival that was made by the people from Nightville and the Green Brothers and the, uh, the McElroy Brothers. Uh, and while I was out there, I got to talk to some local fermenters. So I got to talk to Julie O'Brien of Firefly Kitchens. That's Firefly Kitchens, not Firefly Ferments, which I kept calling it um, in the interview. Um, and she just has this collect this uh, line of really interesting krauts, um, and she talks about her journey and uh, what she's making. And I think believe she just came out with a cookbook as well. So, uh, yeah, do we want to play the interview? Yeah, play it. Play it, Sam. All right. Or Vitor. Play it, Vitor. I'm Rachel <laughs> Jacobs, and I'm in the beautiful Emerald City of Seattle, Washington. We're here with uh, Julie O'Brien from Firefly Kitchens. Hi, how are you doing? Today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. So thanks for joining me today yeah. uh, at this random convention center. Yeah, so let's talk about Firefly Kitchen. So first of all, like, you have a very interesting background. You spent a long time in Alaska. Yeah. You're from Alaska. Uh -huh. So what is, what is your background in, in fermentation, and, and how did you find out about it? Like, Let's just start with, like, your background in fermentation. Well, it's funny, because I grew up in Alaska where I really knew nothing about ferments. I mean, we did a lot of foraging in the sea, and my dad hunted and fished, but there was not a lot of vegetable <laughs> processing and fermentation. So I really didn't learn about fermented foods until I was in my 40s, and I was taking a nutritional therapy training class, and I was being trained to work one-on-one -on -one with people to change their eating through, you know, change their health through, through eating and then supplementation. And the first week of class, I had Sally Fallon's book, Nourishing Traditions, that was required reading for us the first 69 pages. And of course, I just got sucked in, and there was three or four splendid pages in there about fermented foods and the wonders of them, and I was blown away because I've been a health nut my whole life, or kind of my whole adult life, and I'd never heard that fermented foods were good for you. And this was, you know, so this would have been back in 20, yeah, I mean, it was 12 years ago, so... Um, we started Firefly in 2010, and so it would have been 28, right? 2008? Yeah, <laughs> 2008. So um, basically, I just started fermenting. My dad was going through colon cancer at the time, and I remember thinking, God, here's a food that's loaded with fiber and vitamin C and vitamins and enzymes and minerals, and it's vegetables. You know, it's like, why isn't everybody just eating this every day? How you mean uh, sauerkraut? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty shocking to me still, 12 years later, and now, though, there's this huge awareness, right? Mm. People are talking about it, and they realize there's there's some legit legitimacy to the health claims of these foods. Yeah. So um, so what, what's the first ferment you ever made? So our yin yang carrots was the first thing I ever made, and it was basically based on Sally's recipe in her book. It's just carrots, ginger, and Celtic sea salt, 
so that is it right there and it was it was so much fun yeah I, yeah, I brought her a little jar it but it smells really good it is um it's just so simple and that's just the magical thing about fermented foods is the flavors change with time and so you know here you take these fresh crispy sweet carrots and add some ginger and salt and then you just get a totally different flavor profile after 30 days which is we 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 ferment for a minimum of 30 days at firefly how how long are the ones i have in this jar here how long are they aged for Oh, geez. You know, I actually pulled that little jar out of my fridge because I, I didn't want to bring you a whole big one because I knew you weren't going to be able to take it on the plane. That's probably that's probably about, I don't know, three months old. And it's wow. good. It's really yeah. good. I am very much looking forward to, like, putting this on, like, a sandwich or something. Um, but so what, what made you want to, like, make these as, like, a product to sell or, like, make a career of this? Well, that's kind of a, I mean, it's, I always say this is sort of my midlife crisis of starting a food company (laughs) because it's the last thing I really set out to do. I was setting out to, to kind of chill out a little bit and work more with people and food. And, um, so starting a food company is quite an undertaking because I really knew nothing about it before I got started. I just really believe in these foods and I, I met, a guy um, through a mutual friend years ago who had similar passions of believing in these foods. So we started Firefly together in 2010, but he has since moved on. And I still just have that belief that these foods are life-changing and everybody should eat them just about every day. That's what really got me started. Okay. Um, And it's been like, how how has uh, the industry been? The industry has changed a ton since 2010. I mean, we spent that first year sitting at farmer's markets talking to people about these foods, you know, kind of the proof of concept and and just selling the jars that we were making. And you'd have people come up and say, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever had. This is like the old country or these are like the foods that I grew up with. So it was a very small percentage of people who really loved the food or who were aware of it. And so we spent, it it seemed like 70% of the conversations we were having with people were all about, um, the education piece and talking to them about why they should be eating them and why they're so good for your gut and how they're full of probiotics. And, and for me, because I am such a lover of food, I, I just kind of took it to that next level and was trying to tell people like, just blend it up and mix it, you know, just get beyond the, the hot dog or the brats because these foods, that's what people think. People yeah. think of sauerkraut and hot dogs and it's changed a lot, you know, but yeah, the industry has changed a lot because now you have companies that are, you know, buying fermented foods or they're, 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 okay, let's start fresh how I think the industry has changed is now there's a huge awareness. And so now everybody's looking at it like, oh my God, this food is so good for you, but it's so hard to make it. So let's put it in snacks and chips and things that, you know, let's, let's figure out a way to, to ruin it and make it, <laughs> make it easy to sell a lot of it, you know, and that's kind of what we're Are up against. making sauerkraut chips? Oh Yeah. Don't the probiotics die when you I, bake it? Yeah, I think everybody has their own vision on that. But I, I think that there's definitely the best way to eat them is just raw. You know, you ferment it and then you just open a jar and you eat it. So 
but the, you know, you think about it. Here is a growing trend, right? We all know we need more probiotics. So guess who's on board? The pharmaceutical companies are like, oh, we should be able to figure out a way to, you know, to make more money here. So, yeah, let's not go down that path because it, <laughs> it can get quite crazy. Yeah. Actually, let's, uh, let's, let's go back a little bit. You were talking about um, teaching people at farmer's markets, yeah. but now you have classes. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So, well, we actually have a cookbook called Fresh and Fermented, and that came out about three years ago. It was published by Sasquatch. We actually teach people how to make the seven flavors that we make at Firefly and Sell, and then we have 85 recipes in there that, that you know, from smoothies to breakfast to wraps to rolls to sushi and even desserts. And so um, we do teach at Firefly. I, I love teaching because I feel like, I just feel like everybody has the right to good health. And, and there are so many people struggling with health issues. Well, this food can get you off of pills. You know, this mm-hmm. food is... For certain things, yeah. yeah. oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I had a woman tell me once she got her daughter off of prescription laxatives. Whoa. Her six-year-old daughter... Her six-year-old daughter was on prescription yeah. laxatives. Yeah, well, but look at what kids these days are eating. Look at the pasty white food that so many people just live on. And so, anyway, so... I have heard countless stories over the years of people just saying, God, I was in so much pain, you know, I just, my stomach felt like it was in a big knot or I would have this burning and then I would eat, I ate your product and all of a sudden I felt better. Feels good. So um, you have seven recipes. We have eight. Yeah, we have eight now. Uh, So the carrots one you kind of like adapted from this this Mm -hmm. uh, cookbook. Uh, Where do you, how did you develop your other recipes? Well, you know, a lot of them are just kind of basic recipes that are out in the world. Like the classic is just, that's pretty much as basic as it gets because it's just cabbage and salt, right? Mm -hmm. And then our caraway is just cabbage salt with caraway seeds. Um, We have ruby red. Ruby is just cabbage, beets, carrots, and green onions. So I think a little bit of it is just experimenting in the kitchen or seeing something or tasting something and just going, oh, wouldn't this be great? You know, like I remember tasting a kraut once and it had dill in it. And I, I like dill, but it seemed a little pickly. So I'm like, what about coriander? And so we threw some coriander in there. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this tastes so good. But kale's so damn good for you and turmeric. Let's throw some of those in there. Oh, you've done a kale kraut. Well, it's it's our Emerald City kraut. Um, so I just put the kale in there to kind of green it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the turmeric, so good for you. So we threw that in there. And, and I always learn the hard way. I'm like, if a little's good, let's put more in. And then, of course, yeah, it doesn't always work that <laughs> Not for turmeric. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work so well. Yeah, so, like, you draw inspiration from, like, trying other foods. Yeah, right. Oh, for sure. Other things you see. And then, you know, like, the bigger thing for me is, you know, whenever I eat anything, just about anything unless it's something sweet I'm like you know what this needs and it seems like everything always needs crowd on it and my family thinks I'm crazy as well as a lot of my friends but I just think it's this bright fresh tangy tart um, umami it's like if you think about how many recipes that people make where you need an acid you need either that citrus or that vinegar boost um, think kraut instead of vinegar or citrus and one of the things that 
that has been like a struggle for me now that we're finally getting all this recognition as fermenters, you know, within the health community about, oh, this stuff is really good for you. It's loaded with probiotics, you know. Yeah. Um, pickling is still what really people talk about that a lot and yep. people confuse pickling and fermentation and you know you're they're just not the same thing no, and no. and I think that I always say the picklers are riding the fermentation wave <laughs> and you know it's just way easier to get um you know a flavor by just throwing an acid and then sugar mm-hmm. um but there I think there's really more of an art to actually doing the natural fermentation yeah, no, there yeah. definitely is. Yeah, art of fermentation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we love Sander. Yeah, yeah. he's lovely. Yeah. Oh, man. He actually, it's funny about kale kraut. So apparently he talks about how, like, you can't really make kraut from dark greens. Yeah. And people have ever since been trying, trying to, to prove, prove him, him wrong, wrong by sending. <laughs> and, like, every time they see him, they're like, Amigio kale kraut. So, like, we actually interviewed him a couple of, like, a year ago, probably. And he just had jars of kale crab. And he's like, please take this. <laughs> because it's good, but, like, you can only have so much of it. It's so strong. It's so intense. Yeah. It's funny. I remember when we first started, there was a man who would come to the farmer's market, and he would say... I don't even remember where he was from. He had this thick accent, and he said, you can ferment without salt. And we're like, yeah, not really. You need the salt to keep the bad bacteria at bay. So, you know, I know there's, you can add seaweed, and there's all these different ways you can reduce the salt. But basically, he brought us some stuff that he had made, and he's like, here, try this. And, you know, and it pretty much just tasted like rotten vegetables. (laughs) And that's what happens if you let food just sit out right it's just going to decompose and it's going to rot and so we kind of had to laugh because he tried to prove us wrong but yeah Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Uh, so uh, I live in Brooklyn, and mostly we talk to a lot of New York-based fermenters. Yeah. But like, what is the what is the scene like here? Is there a lot of like home fermenters? Yeah, no, there really are. You know, when we started eight years ago, there was only one brand on the shelf in the in the stores that was healthy and raw, and that was Rejuvenative. Mm-hmm. And I think those guys were great. They've been. Boy, I think they've been around for over 30 years, and they have these crazy labels just full of all sorts of information. Um, and their jars were about $14 a piece. I remember just thinking, wow, and it was organic, and it was the real deal. Um, now, 
there are heaps of fermenters all over. There's, you know, there's probably, we're the only ones right in Seattle, but on the islands and surrounding community, there's like four or five other fermenters that, you know, are selling in the same grocery stores that we are, you know, in the natural food stores. Um, and then as always happens, you know, a company will grow a little bit and then somebody like General Mills or Kraft or somebody... Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did with one of the brands and all the fermenters out there know, so I don't need to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, but that's then that's what you're competing against. You know, you go to these natural food shows or these fermenter, you know, fermenting conferences. And then, you know, you can tell the one that, you know, it's like the one that doesn't belong there that has the, the money to have the big fancy booth. And, you know, all of a sudden it's they're not doing it the legit old-fashioned way anymore, yeah. you know? Actually, speaking of food shows, uh, I think it was, was it the Carrot Kraut that won the Good Food Award? Yeah, the Carrot was our first one. Um, we were just a year in to, to production, and the woman who runs the farmer's market here in Seattle said, you guys, this food is really good. You should send it to the Good Food Awards. So, boy, that was, boy, I think that was seven or eight years ago now, and our Carrots won. And it was such a treat to be able to go down to the Bay Area and celebrate and um, be with all these other local, you know, or small food producers who are doing food the old-fashioned way. You know, it was it's tasty, authentic, responsibly made food. Um, so it's it, it was really great. And then our Cortito, our Ruby, and our Kimchi, actually those flavors all won a Good Food Award as well. Oh, actually, can we talk about your Kimchi a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of, there's a a trend now to make more vegan kimchis. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your process for making your kimchi? Well, ours is, our kimchi, I always say it's, we're not trying to compete with traditional, you know, Korean, really flavorful kimchi. We're trying to just, you know, because we started this because of the health benefits, mm-hmm. we're really trying to make it mainstream and make it a, a flavor profile that everybody will like. And so we don't use shrimp paste or fish sauce. So we didn't really set out to be vegan, but it just worked out that way. And we also are um, using green cabbage instead of Napa. Mm-hmm. So it's really more like a spicy, flavorful sauerkraut. And um, some people love it for that reason, and then other people don't like it for that reason. And yeah. so it's one of those things that you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know. But we do have so many people say, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever had, or I'm so happy to finally have a vegan kimchi. Yeah. 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 It's actually really, I mean... All of my friends who are Korean are like, nothing is ever going to beat what my mom's kimchi is. Exactly. So, like, why can with that? Exactly. Well, and that's what I tell people, you know, like, we're not, we're not trying to steal recipes from other cultures and make money off them. I mean, we're just trying to celebrate them and say, look at all these cultures that are so healthy that have been making these foods forever, just using salt and foods that are abundant, you know, in their area. Um, and I don't know, I still feel like we're celebrating food and, and wisdom from a long time ago. And we are living in a pretty screwed up food culture right now. So here's one small little thing that people can do for themselves every day that is just a really positive, bright, illuminating thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there a local place to buy the gochu, the uh, the chili powder oh yeah oh yeah we have um we have fantastic markets around we have wajamaya is a really great uh local market and um yeah you can you can definitely use that and the korean red pepper i mean we used a dry pepper and it's 
critical. You know, we were trying to find an organic. All of our products are organic. Our kimchi is 99.6% organic, but we still cannot call it organic because of the goddamn laws. (laughs) So basically, um, we tried, we had these awesome Japanese growers, um, you know, they have a farm in here in eastern Washington, and we asked them to try to grow us some Korean red peppers, and they tried all these different things, and they brought them back, and we, we dried them, and they were awesome, but it just is not the same mm. as real Korean red pepper. And you, it's like the color. It's like the sun and the love and the history the is all yeah. baked in, into it. Yeah. yeah. Actually, let's go back. Can I talk about the desserts? Yeah. <laughs> what? What kind of, like, kraut desserts do you have, or, like, fermented desserts do you so, have? So when I was working on the cookbook, um, I knew I wanted... I knew I wanted desserts in there because because it was a cookbook, right? And everybody eats desserts. So I I thought, you know, so much about food is texture. So my mom was down visiting from Alaska and I said, here, we take this jar and dump it into the Cuisinart and blend it up, the classic, so it's the consistency of applesauce. So she waddles off and does that and comes back and she's like, here. She goes, you could, you could market this as crapple sauce. <laughs> and it was great because, you know, if you think about food and texture and, you know, when, when something's blended that way, you don't have to digest it so much. So I said, now I have this applesauce-like texture, and so I can put it in everything. So I made up a goat cheese apricot tart. And, and, and what I did is I just took the, the kraut, and again, it's just cabbage and salt and I drained all the liquid out and you keep that brine right because that brine is divine Um, but I drain it all back in the jar and then you just have this fibrous you know kind of salty um, textured kraut right Mm -hmm. so then you can just stir that in and I you know doesn't I'm not putting a lot in but it doesn't take a lot to get that little probiotic boost or that flavor. Yeah. So um, like I'll, I'll squeeze out the brine and then stir in, you know, a quarter cup or a half a cup into a lemon, lemon curd and mix it with cream cheese. And mm. that is really divine. I mean, every time people taste that when I'm doing a cookbook sampling, they end up buying the book because they just want the recipe. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just got blended up crowd in there. But the key is to drain all the brine out so you're not, you know, diluting whatever you're making with the salty. That's salty. Yeah. But it's it's your friend, you know. And this leads me to what we kind of coined the term velvetize. Mm-hmm. Velvetize it. So by blending a jar, you're getting this velvety texture that you can just stir into your favorite hummus or guacamole or salsa. Mm-hmm. So you're getting that probiotic that fiber that that bright sunny flavor Mm -hmm. but it's not going to dominate your hummus or your guac you're just going to get that those back notes that salty yeah so it's a really great way especially for people trying to get their kids or elderly or right right like beet brownies yeah or you have you know stomach issues or teeth issues and you can't chew it up it's a great way to just grab a spoonful and pop it in and yeah it's good <laughs> so uh so what's next for for firefly we've Kitchen. been playing around with salts yeah and um we like finishing salt yeah yeah and so they're pretty magical they're pretty exciting and we're we're just rolling them out in january so right now they're only available on our website mm-hmm. 
Um, but they're spectacular and there's nothing like them out there because it's, it's surprising to me. You go look at all the fancy flavored, good quality salts in the, in the stores and even the ones that are, you know, that have spices in them, people aren't even using organic spices. And I'm like, come on people, you know, if you're, you've got this great quality salt, why don't you just spend an extra quarter and put organic ingredients in there to flavor it. So it's basically um, our couple different types of sea salt and Himalayan salt, organic spices that are actually in the kraut, and then um, some of the freeze-dried kraut. Oh, in so the yeah, so it's unbelievable. Just like sprinkling a little bit on scrambled eggs, or potatoes, or veggies, or meat on anything. Popcorn. Popcorn's the easiest way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really yeah, and I'm really excited to just have something that's shelf stable. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So where do you source your salts from? We get them from a local salt, you know, a provider here in the mm-hmm. Northwest who you know brings them in from all over you know, all over the world. We, the main salt we use when we're fermenting is Celtic sea salt. So Mm -hmm. it's the real deal, the big wet gray. I mean, we spent a ton of money on it, but it's just, it's just so worth it to us because we think that really does make a difference in the end flavor. Wow. That's really cool. Um, Have you noticed any... Any trends in fermentation in in the fermentation community around Um, Seattle? Well, you know, I think... We all, once you start making, once you start making this stuff, you realize the brine, you know, the brine is what protects the kraut during the fermentation process. And then mm-hmm. once we pack it into the jars, we, you end up with this excess brine, which is basically kraut juice, right? And people have been using kraut juice to heal ulcers. People use kraut juice. <laughs> all my, my Russian friends that I've met have been like, "Oh, this is so good for hangovers." <laughs> and then, Bulgaria. yeah, I mean, it's it's or just using it as a cocktail enhancer or a, a salad dressing mm-hmm. mixer. So it is. It's really good. It's really good. And so a lot of people are taking their brines and selling them, um, you know. But there's all sorts of little tonics and things that are popping up and. Um, I, I really believe the future is going to be krauts kind of blended up and mixed into things, which is really what it's all about in my book, Fresh and Fermented, you know, because whenever I make like our tapenade or anything that has kraut in it and blended up, the velvetized version of it, people freak out and they're like, oh my God, I want to buy this. And I'm like, no, you, you know, I, here's, this is just a sample. Here, here's the jar. Here's a recipe. Just go make it yourself. But people don't want to do that. They just no. want to buy what they want. It's true. They don't have time. Yeah. Um, do you need, like, a special blender for that? Or will just, like, any food oh, Cuisinart, Blendtec, yeah. Or even chopping. Like, our Emerald City kraut chopped up with, with a, you know, a can of tuna and a little mayo or olive oil. It's so amazing. It just adds this bright, fresh, bodyful flavor to it, you know. So you don't need any fa- fancy materials, you know. It, you can just chop, 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 mince, and then it's going to be in a different. It's going to be in a different texture for you to use. Okay, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, what? How big batches do you typically make them in? Well, we we are using fifty-five barrel drums, oh, wow. fifty-five gallon barrel drums. Um, and, you know, we, we're going through about 2,000 pounds of cabbage a week. So we're, we're making more and more all the time. Wow. 
Yeah. Do you have any new crowds that you're thinking of making? We have a new salsa that we're making, and it's just cabbage and beets, and then all the fresh flavors that are in salsa. And, and so like it's jalapeno? Yeah, yeah. And um, there's jalapenos and lime and cilantro and garlic, and it's really good. It's really, really good. So it's a good gateway kraut for people who don't think they really like sauerkraut. But I just feel like there's, when there's a will, there's a way. And I, and I think, you know, just eat a little bit every day and see what happens. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where can people find out more about your products and where can so, they buy your books? So fireflykitchens.com. And, okay. and we, have, we ship our products all around the country. So you can get a four-pack. And now our salts are on there. Um, we ship up and down the West Coast. And we're in Whole Foods, you know, up and down the coast, minus the Bay Area. Um, and we're, we're all over in the Northwest. All right. And uh, where can people buy your book? The book is in, well, it's for sure on Amazon and on our website. But um, my guess is, you know, food, food-related cookbook or cookbook stores would definitely have it. And um, I think that people would probably be like, likely to bring it in if somebody asked if you have a favorite bookstore in your area. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. It was fun. Us. Yeah, maybe I'll come to Brooklyn. I'd love to come to Brooklyn and share some of the Firefly love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let us know if you're in town. Okay, we will do. I hate to men about it. Yeah. Thank you. That was uh, awesome. Thanks for the interview, Rachel. Yeah, uh, no. On your trip. My pleasure. Please send me to Seattle again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're almost out of time, but Rachel has actually been doing a lot of fermentation. So you brought, Rachel brought in some um, rosemary sourdough bread that you made. So when did you get your starter or start your starter? Uh, I was stuck in the house for a while because of the storm and because of like in between work stuff. Um, so on, during the storm, I was like, I should make some sourdough bread. I've got some time. So I called up my friend, uh, Andrea, who was, was like, she was at Ferment for Men. She goes to a lot of things, and she makes a lot of really interesting things. I'm like, do you have a sourdough starter? So I picked it up Sunday, last Sunday from her, and then I just immediately started making um, some bread. Um, sourdough takes like three days to make <laughs> because you have to leave out um, uh, some, some of the starter with like a little bit of water and flour. So you basically make it like a sponge. Like yeah, basically. And then it like leaves it, you leave it out for like six hours, and then they call it the leave-in. Uh, and then you add that to the flour and whatever whatever other ingredients, and then you leave that for like three hours, and then you put in then you shape it and then you put it in the fridge overnight for like eight hours, and then you bake it in the morning or whenever you can. So it takes a very long time, and it's not a but it's not like a long time of activity. It's right. just a lot of waiting. And I think there's different ways because I, I yeah. haven't made it in a while. I'll confess, but that's so funny because I just recently. Things have calmed down a little bit, so we can have a regular schedule. We actually, I actually, we cooked. <laughs> Chris cooked last night. I cooked a couple times. Anyway, it's been insane with the brewery. I mean, I don't. Anyway, so we haven't we'll had have a regular show schedule. Talking about the brewery later this yeah. season because <laughs> it, it deserves a start. But um, I just recently pulled out some pineapple juice and Ooh. some rye flour. I realized I had some, uh, so I'm going to go make my starter. I like yeah. to make a starter from scratch. It's really easy. Um, we've talked about it on the show before, but I'm going to do that tonight, so maybe I can do. And there are a lot. The cool thing about is sourdough. That, is that the preferred method from the sourdough book as well? Sarah uh, yeah, so that's the book that I've been using is Sarah Owen's book called Sourdough. It uh, It's amazing because not only does it have like 
50 sourdough bread recipes. It also has like sourdough focaccia mm-hmm. and sourdough buttermilk biscuits. And, and it's just, yeah, and donuts and like tarts. And it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she, she has a method in there using raisins, which she spoke about on the show uh, as well, uh, which she I think she prefers like you make your own, but also like every starter that you get from somebody else like has a legacy and has a taste yeah so but that's not ne- so actually but studies have found that that doesn't always stay it that way because it, it it's adapts. little micro it but yeah. to whatever is in your kitchen <laughs> yeah so, so you end I'll, up with the same starter anyway sorry. and you Alrighty, said <laughs> I just have one that somebody that Andrea gave me yeah, yeah. I mean I think it's either, close either way I'm just saying like I kind of like it uh, it is if you don't have access to a starter or if you have busy schedules or whatever there it is yes. pretty easy to make your own starter and you also said you just did kimchi yeah I time. just made kimchi for the first time um, back like a year and a half ago we had Mama O's kimchi on the show and they gave me a, uh, a, a some of this uh, kimchi spice that's basically just like this rub that you rub on vegetables and then it makes kimchi um, and I went on I bought a Napa cabbage from my local Chinese grocery store and it was enormous, uh, and I put in, I think, uh, scallions, uh, some radish, and some carrots, and I ended up with over half a gallon of kimchi, and it's been sitting under my, it's been sitting under my sink. They say leave it for a week, but it's been really cold, um, so I left it. I was going to go home today and basically taste it, see if it's good, and then uh, put it in the fridge, awesome. but it's very bubbly. It took like ten minutes to make. It was really, really great. Um, I also made yogurt and granola. I had a very busy fermentation day. I also tried to make mead. I don't think the yeast was alive anymore, so I don't think it's working. Well, I look forward to trying as many of these things. <laughs> At least the kimchi bread. Yes, I will have so much of that. Awesome. All right, so that is it for this episode. We will be back in two weeks. That is Monday the, I want to say it's the 29th. Yes, it is the 29th. The 29th, yeah. Um, So we'll be back Monday the 29th. That's right. I won't. But you guys will be. Yeah. It'll be great. Some of us will be back. You know, we'll, 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 we'll be. Anyway. We'll just have the cardboard cut out of Kuzme. We can do that. I've got a beer dinner and Freestyle Mondays. Last Monday of every month at Pianos. Woo. Woo. This is why you got to put this stuff on our shared calendar. Do you? I had no idea. It is on our calendar. Last Monday of every month. <laughs> that one doesn't change. Anyway. No, no, the beer dinner. Anyway, cool. So we look forward to being back in two weeks. Uh, we're going to try to set up a, a great season for, for you guys. And if there is somebody that you would like us to have on or some you got something interesting, please send us an email. Reach out. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, our Gmail. The men about it at Gmail. Yes. And we have a yeah Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's all for men about it. Thank you very much for listening to episode 225 on network.org. You've been listening to Chris, Mary, and Rachel on Foment About It. Foment About It. <laughs>
connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.